0: Hello. And welcome to another episode of From, From the Lower Level. The I'm your host, Moshi.
1: No, I'm Patrizio. And Moshi, I'm passionate about dogs, I'm just not crazy about bitches.
0: There. <laughs> LVP, a
1: classic. Hello. Can I just say, just like, I know we're going to like talk today about many things, but I want to say that Lisa Vanderpump was on Watch What Happens Live, like today. And can I say she has got like the face of Meredith Marks at this point?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I was going to ask you whether or not you'd had any chance to see it or see any of the clips. I also just watched the latest episode of Vanderpump Rules and she has the face, she has the tits. She has the ass. Like, LVP has it going on. I don't know how old she is. I don't know where she's from, but everything is fresh.
1: I just, I, I, I honestly looked at her and I was just like, that's Meredith, like, gagged.
0: Do you know what the difference, though, is? LVP has a personality.
1: <laughs> and there's the mess.
0: I mean, I'm not being messy. Like, if you saw her on watch what happens live, like, she cracks some jokes, she's, you know, jovial, whereas Meredith Marks is all, yeah, you know, Seth, you know, Brooks.
1: (laughs) You do that way too well.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not that hard. (laughs) Charlotte. I've never had an opportunity to fully go full Meredith Marks. I'm excited. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Well, on that note, this week we are talking about the third part of the Potomac Season 7 reunion. We are talking the finale of Real Housewives of Miami, season number five, and then, of course, the new joy Girls, season uh, 13, episode five.
0: But before we get into that, Patrizio, do you even have any word on the street this week?
1: Much like Dorit's party with Boy George over the weekend, word on the street has been taken over by Vanderpump Rules. Like, <laughs> did you, I don't know if you heard this, but like apparently they had to take the filming crew away from Dereet's party to the Vanderpump rules set because, like, they were like, stuff Dorit. They were like, this is where the drama is. They needed Andy and a camera.
0: 100%. I didn't hear about that specific story, but I do know that all systems are go, go, go for Vanderpump rules. And Patrizio, if you'll allow me,
1: <laughs> I will.
0: Is Beverly Hills adjacent? It's Housewives adjacent. I'd love to go into a bit of a soliloquy and comment on what's been going on over the last week.
1: Catch me up because I have never, I I actually don't think I've ever watched an episode of Vanderpump Rules in my life.
0: Checks out. I think, I feel like, I mean, I think our listeners have possibly caught on by now, but like you and I have a bit of an age discrepancy. You are young. I am old. (laughs) And so a lot of like these like legacy shows, like, legacy? This is some, well, it is, it's a legacy show. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, I think, but like, especially something like Vanderpump Rules, it is one of Bravo's most long running reality shows in terms of not just how long it's been going on as a series, but it has like so many OGs still on the show. And I feel like I think we've maybe touched on this before but it is like one of the things that is not great about it is that it is like extraordinarily cishead. so I feel like it that if you're a queer person there is nothing about Vanderpump Rules that would make you watch it like it's it's a lot of like dumb boy dumb girl drama whereas Housewives is just very camp right and there is no campness There is nothing um, in VPR. And in that sense, it's a shame. Um, And I'll say that as well to to critique the show in that it has had incredibly transphobic moments, um, incredibly racist moments as well. But when you're someone like me who started watching it when they were young, I was like the age that you were when I met you when I started watching Vanderbilt
1: (laughs) I get the sense as well. It's not just that, like when they were younger, it's also when they had no money because now these people are like loaded and have mansions and they were literally just bar off to begin with.
0: Well, mansions is a stretch, but they have big houses and that in and of itself is um, pretty funny. But if you will allow me for this to take over a little bit on this week's Word on the Street, I want to talk about the drama that's been happening in Vanderpump Rules um, so just to start off for anybody who has never watched Vanderpump Rules or doesn't fully understand the premise of the show, it is essentially a spin-off from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills um, and it started off sort of documenting the interpersonal relationships of the bar staff at SUR, which is one of LVP, Lisa Vanderpump's um, premier restaurants and one of the reasons and and one of the you know one of the reasons why i think this crew of people or this story has worked is that the group is very incestuous and that has always kind of been the premise of the show so when i say the interpersonal relationships these people work together they live together they eat together they sleep together. And there was not so much a revolving door, but just a lot of friction amongst all those different types of relationships. And over the course of 10 years, we have seen what was like a group of 20-somethings and and early 30-somethings now become late 30-somethings. Like they're definitely like later millennials. Like a lot of them are my age or a little bit older. Um, And like, you know, the cast, like, the eldest people in the cast like are in their 40s and it it's been fascinating to watch you know how their lives have changed and one of the things like if i put my professor of reality tv hat on for a moment one of the things that i think from a um a academic perspective that is like kind of interesting about Vanderpump rules to to like watch it as like a case study is that it intersected with like influencer and social media culture, like right at the same time. And you had people that are like in that like sweet spot, that age where they are like building up off, you know, a Kardashians for instance, where they were, they had proper jobs. A lot of them were like actors, out of work actors slash, um, you know, waiters in LA and People really vibed with their personalities because the casting really works on Vanderpump Rules and the reason why it really works is that they're all actually friends. Do you know what I mean? And this is the thing that we say when when you have casting on a reality show and we talk about this with Housewives where the women are actually friends, the – The show can just run for years and run really well. And I think that that was what always made, like, NYC work because most of them did actually know each other, especially the legacy staff. But with VPR, like, it's been years and they all still are friends. So when almost exactly last week a scandal broke out, the drama is huge because, again, These people are all real friends. And so, real things are happening in real time. It's not like when Beverly Hills breaks up for a season and none of them see each other. Maybe, you know, Garcelle and, um, uh, Sutton, yeah hang out for 2 seconds but these people when the cameras stop they're all still hanging out with each other and being friends so the drama that happened last week almost exactly to the day is one of the OG cast members Tom Sandoval um was playing a gig with his band and like this band is bullshit um, and his long-term girlfriend, Ariana Maddox, they've been together for 10 years. They've always been one of the most stable couples on Vanderpump Rules, despite having a really rocky start. So about season one, two, two of Vanderpump Rules, um, Tom Sandoval broke up with one of the original cast members, uh, Kristen Doughty. They'd been together for like six or seven years at that time as well. But he essentially cheated on Kristen, who had already cheated on him with one of his best
1: friends. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) But he started a relationship with, um, at the time, a fellow bartender who was, Ariana. And she was always, the The interesting thing is that she, her and Kristen were always seen as polarizing opposites. Like Ariana is the quintessential cool girl. You know, she, is very intelligent, very smart. She's funny, and she's really logical and pragmatic, and really sarcastic, and sort of has this dark humor. Whereas Kristen is like over dramatic and just always seemed to be hysterical, and that was always the through line of the the two of them. And it's one of the reasons that people have always gravitated towards Ariana. So. She was at Sandoval's gig and there are conflicting reports of how this happened but all you need to know is that she had his mobile phone, access to it, a message came through of another cast member, a newer and younger cast member, Raquel, a.k.a. Rachel. We found out Raquel's real name is Rachel, Um, of her pleasuring herself um sending a sexy text to Tom Sandoval and when she that caused her to go a bit deeper into his phone and she basically found out that they've been having some sort of sexual tryst or inappropriate relationship behind her back for what could be like 10 months 9 to 10 months um and I think why this is so fascinating is that not only, I think people are so invested in this reality show that viewers feel blindsided by it and I actually think that's why people have reacted to it like so vehemently like why people are so outraged um but what are you, what were your initial thoughts when you started to see it sort of bubbling up on the feed because it's unavoidable if you follow even one bravo site right
1: I think um, so. Like, I mean, this was all really good context. Thank you, Moshi, comma PhD. Thank um, you,
0: Doctor Moshi. Here,
1: she has four degrees.
0: <laughs> Five. Sorry, Wendy.
1: <laughs> um. So, like, I, I obviously gathered that it was like important news, but I was also just like. Again, I'm like, I thought this was the whole premise of the show that they all just kind of like sleep with each other and all the rest of it. I didn't know that they had been together for 10 years beforehand. I thought this was like a three year relationship or something, which is still like, obviously not great, but I was a bit like, what's the outrage? I don't really get it. Like, but now I get it. Like 10 years is a long time for them to, for this to come out. And obviously I think people really love Tom, I guess as well.
0: Not so much. And so this is the other thing. So one thing that I want to just sort of say to you is you're absolutely right. The premise of this show and the uh, initial reason, like, people fell in love with the interpersonal drama is that they were all cheating on each other with each other all the time. And the drama was insane. But I think the thing is that for, like, at least the last kind of, like, four, five years, you know, pandemic included, we haven't seen that and you know how we've been talking about like with housewives how there kind of should be a time like no housewife should do more than five years or something you know what i mean and it needs a refresh well vanderpump never is kind of in the same boat so what's actually happened is we and you spoke before about how they have mansions now is we've watched these people ascend from bartenders to essentially influencers and people who are now you know doing their own businesses. So there are two Toms in Vanderpump Rules, Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. They are best friends, they are a dynamic duo, they are a brand essentially. Lisa Vanderpump even opened a bar called Tom Tom in which she partnered with them and named it after them because even she knows that they have this sway. People really gravitate towards their personalities, but they're all really dark. Like almost, sorry, Siri, almost every character on the show like presents themselves one way, but there's a lot of darkness underneath. And, you know, my initial reaction when I saw this was, I wasn't surprised and I laughed. And I I know a lot of people are going to be like, Moshi, that's evil, especially people who understand VPR. Mm -hmm. But for me it checks out. Tom Sandoval has, the way he has sort of gotten by on the show is by, like being superior to other people. Like his his brand is, I am the superior Tom. I am the smarter Tom. I am, you know what I mean? Like he's created this version of himself that is almost perfect. And unfortunately, Ariana was taken in by that guy. Like even when he first cheated on Kristen many moons ago, like he did so many horrible things and people over the years have brought up you know, the things that he has done, but he has always, he always gaslights people and I think people are seeing that now because he's doing it to somebody who I I mentioned before, Ariana is like a cool girl so people really gravitate towards her and so I think because now people are seeing him do this to Ariana, like they're starting to click and they're like this guy is trash, but he has always shown us who he is. We just always chose to turn a blind eye. We're the fools.
1: I think this has the same energy as like all the major scandals in the last like three years. And I think of Jen Shah being arrested. And I think of like Erica Girardi and Tom Girardi, um, because it's this thing of like, it's literally, and I guess the difference though, this time is that the show is like currently airing and like, it's already wrapped, but it's like pre reunion. And then like, so people are like watching this all happen, but then you can, where I feel like with, like, perhaps Jen Shah, like, where we kind of, like, were able to watch it being, like, oh, my God, like, the way that she's talking about this, like, we, now knowing that she's guilty, like, it's it puts a different sort of, like, spin on it. Now I feel like it's, like, people have watched half the season, but then they're now, like, watching it with a completely different guys and they're, like, oh, my God, like all these little things like the, um, the lightning bolt necklaces.
0: Yes. Like them having matching necklaces. Um, I don't think, I think it's like a lot of the pictures that we'd often seen as well at events, people realizing like she went to every single one of, you know, his band's gigs, like all these little things people are starting to realize, but, a huge part of Tom Sandoval's charm, like I mentioned before, is that he, you know, makes himself seem not perfect, but like he's smarter than everybody else, right? And him and Ariana together, their relationship, like people have, people on the show have often commented that you know, they're the sort of couple that they will never let you see when they're having a fight. Like they never aired their dirty laundry, whereas every other couple has. And because we never really got to see underneath the surface level of their relationship, they always just come off as better than everybody else. And so that's why I said that I think the reason there's so much outrage is that viewers feel blindsided. The other kind of factor that plays into this whole scandal is another character on the show, um, James. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm having one of those moments where I'm like, I better be um, saying people's names correctly. But um, Raquel was in a relationship with another cast member, James Kennedy, who has always been a controversial figure on the show. He he is a piece of shit. Like he's not a good person, but he is very vulnerable. And his he could do, the thing is that he can do terrible, terrible things on this show, but because he like acknowledges it, not that he, I will say he doesn't take full accountability, but he has done some horrible things on the show and is, I think, a horrible human. But his vulnerability and his lack of filter are the reason, one, that we even know about the scandal in the first place, and number two is like when we think about how this is playing out in real time, like the fact that a lot of these characters are young millennials, they don't have a filter, social media is so known, part of the reason they're on this show is that they don't have a filter, they call things out, is also there's like not this sense of decorum, whereas with Housewives if something happened like this, it would be swept under the rug, like everybody would be hushed. Nobody would be saying anything. On Vanderpump Rules, there are no rules. Everything is different. Everybody just airs everybody's shit out. And that is the reason why we know what's going on. That is the reason why Bravo are like, divert the cameras from Dorit, because these people will say, they'll mention it all, Patricia.
1: So, I think, like, the other thing that's kind of, like, happened, is it Raquel? Is that what?
0: Well, her name is Rachel. She changed her name to Raquel. So.
1: Okay. Um, so, But is it, like, is it spelt Raquel, but she still pronounces it Rachel? No.
0: Her name has always been Raquel, but because of this stuff, her year, like, an ex-classmate has been sharing the yearbook online and her name is Rachel.
1: Oh, my God. Um, Okay. So, I mean, awful news, like, Ra- Raquel got, like, punched in the face by Sheena. Is that how you say her name?
0: Yes. Look, we don't know by Sheena Shea. Allegedly. But you know who Sheena... So Sheena Shea is the reason for the season. Like, Vanderpump Rules would not exist if Sheena Shea hadn't cheated, hadn't hooked up with Eddie Sibrian while he was with Brandy Glanville. That is how Vanderpump Rules started, if you recall.
1: So... I mean, no, I don't recall because I never watched it. But oh, um,
0: she's watched old school Vanderpump. And like when when Sir or whatever first got open and they were there and Brandy confronts Sheena, that was how Lisa Vanderpump was able to sell the show to Bravo. Oh, uh,
1: I mean, like, yeah, I watched I don't remember that, but like I've watched it for sure. Um so anyway, back to the point is that Raquel allegedly has been punched in the face by Sheena and um, apparently, so, well, not apparently, Raquel has now taken out a restraining order against her. But the reunion needs to be filmed. Yep. So apparently now what's happening is it's like Sheena is basically saying you need to pick who's going to come to the reunion. Is it me or is it her?
0: And Andy will choose Raquel. So this is a dumb choice for Sheena. Mm-hmm. Um, that that restraining order will get thrown out. Um, Raquel has been throwing around a whole bunch of legal letters, ceases and desists to a whole bunch of cast members And let me tell you something about this cast, Patrizio. They will freeze her out. They will all refuse to film and she will, like Raquel, will not have a leg to stand on. So I think the other side of this is how the cast members have reacted, including Tom and the other Tom, because there were rumours basically, you know, we're five episodes into the latest season Vanderpump Rules and there is a storyline where Raquel has actually been hooking up with the other Tom and what a lot of us are thinking is that that uh, scenario has been created as a distraction to actually divert attention away from the real Tom that she's been hooking up with because there was this huge rumour about Raquel hooking up with Tom at Coachella last year but it was just the Other Tom. And why hooking up with even The Other Tom is an issue is that The Other Tom has recently divorced <laughs> another OG cast member, Katie Maloney, and the current storyline on Vanderpump Rules is how dare Raquel hook up with Tom, divorcee and do that to Katie. Um, and this has been something that's been perpetuated by Sheena. Like Sheena is the instigator of Raquel and Tom Schwartz. It's a a full mess, but one of the things that I really just want to call out why, so there's probably like a couple of factors that made me laugh at this scenario and also had me not be completely surprised. Um, One is that everybody on this show is terrible and does terrible things to each other, and their favourite thing is finding somebody who does Something even more terrible, so they can deflect and divert attention from the horrible things that they've done. So now that this uh, scandal, as they're calling it, has happened, yeah. there are so many things that we're not even talking about anymore. One of the character, one of the cast members, Lala Kent, has is in the process of separating from her baby daddy, who is basically like a junior Weinstein, like. Mm. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like, he is being accused of doing some really heinous casting couch shenanigans, right? Um, James Kennedy, who I mentioned before, I mean he's got a new girlfriend on the show. But one of the things about Raquel, when she first started, like her nickname is like Doe-Eyed Bambi Bitch by Lala. Oh. <laughs> Because she is seen as innocent and incredibly naive. But, like, James Kennedy has another new girlfriend and we see the way he treats these women. Like, he almost looks for vulnerable women that he can kind of dominate. And the power dynamic in his relationships is toxic and verging on something I don't even want to say it because we could get sued, you know what I mean? Like it's not good. Um, There is just so much toxic stuff that happens on this show and it's always like, like even Sheena Shea, like her fiancé or now husband, you know, he was accused last season of having a whole family, like he has a whole family that he's estranged from. I'm talking about like he has fathered other children who he neglects. And there was a whole storyline about it. These people are in glass houses, all of them, and love to throw stones. And, you know, I'm not surprised at that. to me, this sort of infidelity is like not even as bad as some of the other stuff that we've seen on this show. But those same people who are in glass houses are so prepared to throw stones. It's It beggars belief, Patrizio, like you can't make this shit up.
1: I mean, honestly, like if you if there was ever an argument that like reality TV has become the new soap opera, like everything that you just mentioned, I feel like was a storyline on days of our lives, like,
0: the beautiful, like, like oh, truly. Um last week I was explaining to my sister about the scandal, and she literally looked at me and was like, shut up, you're lying. Like she did not believe me and she's been watching Band of Up Rules for, for years and wasn't caught up. I was like, no, 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 like seriously. And she caught up and she was like, okay, like you were not joking. Like even the way Ariana found out about it, like everything is so ridiculous. And I think that's why, you know, Andy having the camera is so important. But for me, I think that this is just such an interesting case study of reality TV, one as the soap opera, but like how it influences the media. You know how I always say, if it comes out on page six or from Dave Quinn, it's a fact, like it's real. When this scandal was <laughs> happening last week, page six were running an update, like a separate article update. Every twenty minutes, like they still are. Like you go on their website, they, like I'm pretty sure, like there was another actor who died. Like there was all this other stuff that happened, but everything was Pump Rules.
1: The way that probably CNN, Anderson Cooper, yeah. like breaking news, <laughs> like this, this is truly, this has united us.
0: Like it truly has, and the way, like no, no other news has gotten in, and. For anybody who's still like unsure about like why this is a big deal but is like more invested in Bravo, I explained it to you, Patty, and I said this would be the equivalent of like Mauricio she, having had a whole affair the whole time that filming was happened with like, at first I said Brandy Glanville, but then I was like with Dorit's. Like, you know how we just said it as a joke, but, like, imagine that that's what this level of, like, kind of affair is. It's insane. And the fact that it's, a fair, that it's an affair and not a hookup I think is the other thing that is sending everybody. But um, one other thing that I do want to add on this because I want it on the record is I think that Tom and Ariana should have split up years ago I think that they definitely love each other and they have a great relationship, but I think that they always wanted different things. They were always vocal about the things in life that they wanted. You know, Ariana is, um, I call this like, I I call this like she's very like millennial woman. Like she is choosing to be childless in her life. Like she has her own things that she wants to do and she lives like a really soft life, which is like a compliment, you know, or a slow life, I should say. I am somebody who is aiming for that as well. A slow life is just like dealing with no stress, you know, cutting people out if they are horrible, like speaking your mind, being vocal, being an activist, being an ally, like all of those things, whereas Tom Sandoval and a lot of the characters uh, cast on this show are living a truly extended youth. Mm. Um, But at the same time, I think Tom wants to be with somebody who's a bit more submissive, Raquel, and he wants to be a father, like he wants kids. And for me, I never understood why somebody who has so vocally said that they want to be a dad or a parent chose to stay with somebody who has vehemently said that they want to be childless. I think that that is crucial. And my prediction is that Raquel will be pregnant in a year.
1: I reckon that's the next scandal to break on the Page Six live blog. It's that she's pregnant.
0: Yeah, I, I think everybody thinks that as well. Um, Raquel also, I will say, has spoken like, you know, she she Raquel is an interesting character. I call her a character in and of itself because she's one of those people that wanted to be on the show. Like it's very obvious, Mm. Um, but not in a bad way. I want to just call out that I don't think there is anything bad about being a fan of a reality show and wanting to be on that reality show. Like that's just a new job. It's the same way that you want to do and be an influencer or, you know, be a project manager. To me, it's the same thing. Um, So kudos to her. But yeah, I just, this, this thing has really shook up the Bravo cinematic universe. I didn't even hear from H and on all week. The Slim Shadies were like, we can't, this is
1: insane. No, like, like literally the whole world has stopped for Vanderpump Rules this week.
0: Yeah. I, do you know what as well? I bet you those like people are watching it from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's probably gotten itself a whole new bunch of, of viewers as well.
1: Well, I feel like Vanderpump Rules was kind of like already kind of like struggling and then with the pandemic and obviously like the bar couldn't be open and all the rest of it too. Like I think it was like truly like heading towards cancellation.
0: So one of the things that I will say is that prior to this scandal, like they're on episode five, so they're like in parody with New Jersey. They sort of started when New Jersey came out this later season This season was really good. Like people were really enjoying uh, like VPR. The storylines were really clear. We knew what was going on. Um, And so this is actually like a spanner in the works. Like just when you thought it actually couldn't get any better, it really has. Um, But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was heading on a downward trajectory. A huge part of that is that a a couple of OGs were made redundant essentially because they were being held accountable for, you know, their damaging behavior like sexism, racism, just um, homophobia, transphobia, like just not good
1: things. You name it, they did it.
0: No, like truly, like there was a trans character on the show, Billy, and the way she was treated. It's honestly disgusting, Patty. This is a show that always highlights how they are part of Pride and part of all of these things but will shut down any sort of LGBT voice that is, like, not bi. So, like, Ariana is bisexual but that scene has been, like, sexy and quirky. But if you are, you know, specifically gay or lesbian or if you're a trans person or even a non-binary person, this show treats you like shit.
1: It's very toxic. Well, I think we can both agree that this is definitely a developing story. This is like it's only—I mean, like LVP was on like Watch What Should I Have is Live. They're still got to like film a reunion. Like there is a uh, there, there are. I mean, I think Tom Scandale has like I, <laughs> I think he's released like two statements already this week like the statements are being like things are happening
0: these statements are so out of touch what i what i will say about this situation is that it's amazing and this is why i watch TV, reality television and just when i think i've like i've had enough and reality tv is dead this shit happens and once again I'm like, this is why reality TV is brilliant. I fucking love it. <laughs> well, that was me, I think, harping on for a really long time. So maybe let's take a break and when we come back, we'll talk Real Housewives of Potomac and Miami. Miami.
1: Actually, we're back from the break. Hello. It's time to get into part three of The Real Housewives of Potomac season, seven reunion, and I feel like we are all able to admit at this point it is a show in crisis.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like crisis feels big. Like, I feel like that's too dramatic. I don't know if it's in crisis. But I think it's definitely a show that is losing its identity.
1: Crisis. That's what I just <laughs> Um It's over. I think we can all agree that we're happy that it's over.
0: Look, I think this season, I just don't know how long you can keep just having storylines around like fake infidelities and, you know, Giselle torching people's relationships. Um, I just don't know where the show, how the show comes back with its current cast because there is a really clear divide in the group and it's not like a, it's not like a fun shade divide. It's not like in Atlanta where it like seemed to get its groove back. I think like, Candace and Karen and Wendy are one group and everybody else is another group, and it just feels weird.
1: Yeah, I think, like, I think we can all, I think we can all, like, agree that, like, a shake-up needs to happen, but, like, what is the shake-up? Like, I think is the other thing. Um, and, you know, are people demoted? Are they completely removed? Are they... You know, I mean, like we posted on the stories today. There's like a robin's been devoted I, to a friend.
0: <laughs> it was you.
1: I mean, it, it's the royal we. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the blog um, is saying. Yeah, like, you know, that, you know, Jacqueline's been promoted to full time housewife. Like, I, I feel like even as well, like, there was a bit of commentary this week that was like, justice to a who was like actually like willing to be involved in the mess to a certain point. Like, again, I think we, we said it last year, too nice for the show perhaps, but at least a willing participant in all of this when there are other people on this show that are like hiding things on purpose and all the rest of it. But um I guess let's start off with where we left off last week, which was the opening of Pandora's box, AKA, the bejeweled, bedazzled um, box of receipts that Mia has brought. And I honestly just felt like...
0: Sorry, pieces of paper that contained
1: nothing. Well, yeah. Like, I just, I think, that, I mean, there was a whole lot of nothing. Like, I don't think that...
0: I think that. the Mia-Jacqueline situation, I think Jacqueline came through for the short time that she had, like comparing her to Sharice, who was on that couch, like for a friend of, I think Jacqueline brought the goods, even in the reunion.
1: Yes, I agree. I don't, yeah, perhaps she wasn't, um, I don't know, maybe she, she, uh, I just, Mia is just so like fake and nothing is real and, Jacqueline actually was bringing something real. But even Jacqueline, like, I think they're all... I think the thing is, you have to be prepared to literally air it all. Like, it doesn't have to be all aired, but you have to be prepared that it is going to come out at some point, right? And I think that even with Jacqueline, because I don't know if you saw this week as well, that, like, the screenshots that of the text between Mia and Jacqueline were released. And, like, Jacqueline was... She was in the... T- in the text to me, are being like, like, I love me some married man. This guy's so hot, but he's married, but I just can't help myself. Like, I don't know whether she actually hooked up with the person that she's talking about, but like, she, I don't think she's as innocent as like what we were made to, to believe in that moment on the reunion, like, and and that's what I mean. Like, I feel like Jacqueline, like, it's all well and good for you to get on the show and like say all this shit, but I think you also need to be prepared for the fact that there are some receipts and that maybe you do have to just be like, you know what? Yeah. I like fucking married men. Like, and that's your story. Like.
0: So here's the thing that I think on that is that when I think of Mia, I think of no context. So I think Mia takes, anything and can make it something else because she doesn't add the full context of what's going on. And this is the whole reason why she created essentially fake storylines and she's blaming it on Jacqueline to make Jacqueline seem, you know, juicier. But I think like the, we don't know the full context for what that text message exchange relates to, you know, there, there could be, it, it, like you said, we'd, it, it might not be that Mia is actively pursuing married men and, and like, Mia is, like, what's separated. Yeah. She's not fully divorced at the moment, so she's potentially married too. But um, if we're going to be, like, really specific about it, but it could, you know what I mean? And this is the thing that this is where Mia gets caught out is, yes, she does tell you the truth of something sometimes, mm-hmm. but the context is always missing. The context does not exist,
1: and uh, what? And I think she's also just willing to say random stuff, like in that like final scene when um, and it wasn't the final scene. It was like I guess like when Robin was um, yeah, Robin was having her bachelorette party, and like um, me was like, so we're calling Karen a prostitute. Karen's a prostitute. Is that what we're saying here? And it's like. No, like that's not what anyone said at any time. There was never any suggestion that like Karen was exchanging like money for like sex. Like it's just, she's just, I think it's reckless anyway, but like.
0: It's, it's so reckless. And I think the thing about being reckless, especially in the public eye is that you can really do damage.
1: Yes, which is I think what like the whole issue is with um, a lot of these women. and I, I think, think Candy, like,
0: the whole show, I think you're right.
1: Like Wendy called it out, I think Candice called it out, but I think like Wendy, like she's like, you know, people are so willing to engage in rumours that they hear and are willing to like spread them. But the minute there's a rumour about any of these women, it's like, oh no, like that's like how dare you like discuss this about me and all the rest of it, you know. Um I don't know. Yeah. It's
0: just I think Karen is the perfect example of this. One of I mean, look, Karen didn't really participate this season. Like I'm willing to say that. And perhaps, you know, getting had she and Sharice had the moment where they actually like sat down together and tried to overcome their beef. I actually think. Looking back on it now, I think that would have been really powerful, even if they didn't end up being friends. But because Karen was not willing to come to the party any in any way, shape, or form, it turned into this really toxic thing. And Sharice like called out the fact that she just made shit up because she was angry. Like, there's no proof to any of the accusations that Sharice made, as much as I know, Patrizio, you'd like to believe that.
1: <laughs> well, and it was even the same in the end. Like, Mia and her story about this, like, restaurant situation, and the restaurateur that – and it was like, well, who is it? And it's like, oh, it's a family. It's someone in my family. And it's like, okay, so it, it's no one. Like, you're not That's able to provide a name. You, you're like, oh, it's family. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> – I think the thing is as well is that like, obviously it's a lot easier to engage in all of this like bullshit rather than actually like bring something to the table for the show as well, which I think is like half the problem here. Like Mia, like she kind of had things going on, but like Giselle and Robin, like literally it was either I have nothing or I want to distract from what's really going on. And therefore I'm willing to get in on the mess.
0: I agree. But there's somebody else here who we need to blame or who we not blame but we need to hold accountable and that is the producers like learning specifically as well that that the producers are Charisse to come back on but they they have you know the idea is that the producers should all although they work with specific women they should also be working together so whoever is producing Karen I think, did not do a really good job this season. Whoever was producing uh, Giselle also did a a woeful job this season. Um, Whoever is producing Mia needs to find a way to rein her in. I just think that, like, it comes down even to when Andy said that the seating was done by the producers, like, none of it makes sense. I think the cast is confused and I think production is confused.
1: I was watching this third part as well, and I was kind of like, I feel like Karen was put in the seat next to Andy because they are truly trying to deny Candace of like the 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 top seat. Like I just feel like no one is willing to acknowledge that Candace is truly like the power player at this point in that cast. Like it was I'm I'm insulted on Candace's behalf that she was given like second fiddle to Karen on that couch.
0: I so I think the reason that Karen sits where she sits is because she's older. I think it's a respect thing. Um, and I think that where the like it's a black thing, I'm just going to be really honest. It's like, or maybe it's like an you know, I don't know what to put it, but it's like respect for your elders, like you just would never put the senior people further down unless it's like a whole cast of older women so I actually think like Karen because Karen has always sort of sat next to Andy same as Giselle it's in a weird way it's the same thing as Kyle like Kyle could give nothing and she'll be next to Andy do you know what I mean it's a it's a weird seniority thing I can't describe it so I, I don't think it has anything to do with Candace I think it just has everything to do with like you know, that's, like, the auntie. Like, you just don't put her further down.
1: Okay, but also, like, last season, Wendy was sitting next to Andy and Karen was in the second position. Like, I feel like that's a good theory, but it's just not.
0: In my mind, Karen has always sat next to Andy.
1: Giselle has always sat next to Andy. Yeah, that's
0: hard I believe. That's a That is wrong.
1: I I think Karen has most of the time sat next to Andy, but I think that like, obviously like, yeah, there's been some occasions where she hasn't. Um, I think there was like one season, like even like Ashley was sitting next to Andy and Karen was second to Ashley. Like I just, I I just, if there was one season that Candace could have had that, that top seat, it was this season.
0: Okay. I, I agree with you. Can I ask you just a question? Do you think that Giselle copped it in the reunion, like fairly or unfairly?
1: I think that she, I think she was put to task. Was she held accountable? Like halfway, I I feel like it was. I think feel like questions were asked, but she wasn't. It wasn't really like enough. I think Candace was really the only one to actually call her out on the bullshit. And Candace unfortunately um you know went probably to the extreme in calling her out as well, which probably didn't help the cause. Um but like I feel like and unfortunately the only other person that maybe could do it is Wendy. And I just think that, like, at this point, they hate Wendy so much and that, like, they won't even, like, listen to her. Uh, whereas I think they do know that Candace does have, like, sway amongst the audience. Like, I feel like everyone's kind of been done with Wendy. Like, she's not coming back next season, I don't think. I think. It's a shame. I think, though, that she's – like, I think, like, for her it would be – is Mia coming back next season? If yes, like I'm out. And if no, I think it would be like, I'm going to still have to think about it. Because I think Wendy really like got close to that line this season of like being provoked to a point where she would do something that would be, I think, really like negative to her like TV commentary career and her like academic career that like, you know, you just can't, be seen unfortunately if you are trying to be an academic to also be like you know starting brawls on like reality tv right i think wendy's gonna have to think really hard about the implications of like being on these shows i think it's just like you know part and parcel so i don't know and i i feel like it's the same as robin like i mean like if we just like jump ahead a little bit about how like you know they have showed like the Watch What Happens Live clips of like her interview with Andy again like I feel like she was held to task a little bit but I don't think she was truly held accountable for basically like you know holding on to what something very real that was happening on in her life and also like distracting us all from like what was happening by like highlighting all the other shit that was going on yeah. in the group, um, you know, and I guess the only way that we will truly know if anyone has been held accountable or held to task at all is in the casting arrangements for next season. Like,
0: I agree with you. I thought the unseen footage from Robin's watch what happens live interview were a bit of a flop in my opinion. I really was Appalled at the fact, but not surprised that Robin deflected and, you know, blamed Karen for the, you know, one stuff not coming out because she just sort of kept saying, Well, I expected somebody else to bring it up. And it was just like, I, as I watch back and think over the whole season, like, you know, a couple of other things were called out in this episode, like Robin's family fun day and stuff. I just don't understand. Robin's how logic works in Robin's mind she really is someone who maybe it's her and Giselle like I don't think they live in this reality like at all I just don't think they get how things work
1: I didn't think they care. Like, I, I think they get it, but I don't think that they think the rules apply to them or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah,
0: no, that's it. I think they just don't think the rules apply to them. It's so, some of the stuff I'm just, like, so bewildered. And, like, we have seen women on Real Housewives franchises, like, act like inane, you know, idiots. I mean, New York is kind of built on that. But I think, I feel like as well, and I've been trying to, hold myself accountable I think I do put a lot more unconscious bias on these women to do better and be better because they are black women and part of me says that I need to give them the same grace that I give like the New York housewives like I need to allow these women to be vapid and to just be
1: ignorant I think Unfortunately, we do hold them to a different standard here. Oh but I think as well, like the other like discourse that I feel like has been happening this week is around Giselle and the fact that Giselle, like not only is she the child of, you know, people like in the civil rights movement, very like key influential figures in the movement, she's she was also a first lady, which again is another very like yeah. influential, prestigious like position. And like, is this truly how a first lady of the church behaves? Like,
0: I think it is. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it is the like the ones who have the most power are just they're just not used to being held accountable. They're used to getting away with so much. You know what I mean?
1: But even just like, I feel like the the uh, the role of a first lady sometimes is to is. Is to be a mediator, to be like the one that kind of helps to bring the people together. But I think she's actively trying to like watch it burn because she thinks it makes good TV. And I think it's gotten to the point where it is no longer making good TV.
0: She's supposed to, the role of a first lady is to lead by example, but also it is like royalty, like you are supposed to be high and mighty. And I think that Giselle has had, so much high and mighty in her life that she thinks the rules really don't apply to her. And that is, that is not just a first lady thing. That is anybody in a position of power. Right.
1: She's beautiful.
0: Well, that's another, you know, she has pretty privilege. She has, you know, economic privilege. She has, you know, the church privilege. Like there's, and this is not to say that she hasn't also gone through her fair share of things, but I think when you are so used to not, and we're making assumptions here, of course, but the assumptions that we make are based on what she has given us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what she has given us is somebody who thinks that the rules do not apply to them. That is what she has shown us. And I think you're right though, the excuse of I'm going to behave badly because it makes for good TV. I think we are starting to see that that isn't interesting anymore. Lisa Rinna should be an example to everyone who thinks that that way of behaving or all of Real Housewives of New York legacy, Lisa Rinna, you know, Dallas, like these should be a warning to people. Like nobody is
1: off limits. Bravo will cut you. I mean, even close to home for them like Atlanta, like it was, they were truly like put on pause. I don't think we really like, I feel like it was like pre pre def definition of pause era, but like they were like given a few months off like filming yeah. to really think long and hard about like how they want the show to move forward. Um, and I feel like, you know, the same thing perhaps might need to happen with Potomac. Um, on accountability of Giselle, though, I think like really the only purpose of bringing out any of the husbands was for Chris to finally sort of have an opportunity to address, you know, this whole like storyline around him and Giselle and like the the form the last reunion and being uncomfortable and all the rest of it. The way I just minimise all that, but I am so done with this. Like I was like, this happened a whole reunion ago. Like, why are we still talking about it? And I think again, like this is like where Giselle, like I think there was just like a real mis like communication here as to like what why what even happened. Like, you know, like to be I definitely see how It seems like Chris was being accused of something, like he did something, not how he made someone feel, which I think are two different different things. things. I agree with you. It's just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm so tired of it. And, like, I just, why were we still talking about it?
0: No, true. So I guess my question to you then is, where do we go from here? Potomac has been, and I think Carlos King, I just want to you know always reference back to the different opinions and voices that we hear. But he spoke about on his most recent podcast episode, Reality with the King, that Potomac has, you know, I think there's a couple of things with Potomac. Number one, right from the gate, it wasn't getting the viewership it deserved and it was giving fabulous TV. And a lot of us really went out on a limb to call out, you should be watching Potomac, you should be watching Potomac, you should be watching Potomac. And people were finally really tuning in and it flopped. And I think similarly to what I was saying about Vanderpump is like, we get so invested in these shows that we do go out on a limb, we recommend them to other people and they don't deliver and instead they they gave something this season that was just appalling all the way around. We had fake storylines, we've got like a level of anger and division that just makes everyone, including viewers, feel uncomfortable. Um, we have housewives who are not willing to play the game, like where can this show go from here do they just recast the whole thing what 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 do they do patricia what do you think
1: yeah i heard like the snippet of um carlos's like final sort of review of the season and i think like he brought up some valid points I, I think like one of the things um that we see across a few franchises is like is it husbands or no husbands and i think that's like that needs to be defined for potomac i think at the moment it's a little too like you know husbands for some and not for others um like i feel like you know obviously eddie and um and chris were like more involved than the other husbands like you know like Juan who doesn't even show up to the reunion so it's sort of like is this a show about the families or the husbands or whatever, or is it just about the women? I think that would solve some issues here because I think like, obviously Carlos's point to then that was, you know, if Juan is not showing up, then Robin, you're getting demoted. Like, you know, especially given like that your whole storyline is about being married to this man, but clearly he doesn't like the show because I think like that whole thing, I mean, that was the other thing as well. Like, when Robin was like, "Oh, yeah, like it's unfortunate Juan's name is being used as clickbait in this whole like college basketball scandal," it's like, no, he's like, he's like, like actively involved in this whole thing. Like, he's not just being used as clickbait. Which like, yeah, um, yeah. So I think figure out whether the men are in or out. I think we need to clear cast. We need to get rid of, like, you know, the me and Wendy, I think, are two obvious choices here. I think, like, Karen needs to be told as well, like, if you're, if you're not, not going to talk about your open marriage, also you need to leave.
0: 100%. Um,
1: yeah, it's just I think that I think the discussion needs to be had that it's, if you're not willing to talk about things, then perhaps being a housewife is not for you. I agree. What would you change?
0: I mean, I've kind of done a full 180. I do believe that Candace is the future of the show. I think Ashley has to stay on the show if Candace stays. Even though, like what I need is for Ashley to break away from the green-eyed bandits and not be so gung-ho about being in that gang. That that is something I don't understand. But I need I need Ashley. I need Candace. I think there is room. the Giselle still, and the grand dame, because I am a la dame, but I think they need to step their pussies up. And I hate to say this, but they never should have gotten rid of Monique. Like I wish that whole thing with Monique hadn't happened. I know you don't want Katie Rose back, and I understand your reasons for not wanting Katie back. I think you're absolutely right. Like Katie needs to heal fully before she can come back on this show. But I think... She has always her presence has always added dimension. Do you know what I mean? Even when she was at half mast. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be sad if they scrapped the whole show. I think it's done what it needed
1: to do. <laughs> oh my God, I don't think it's that bad yet. I think like I think I, I the problems that Potomac are experiencing are not unique to Potomac. I think this is like it's a it's a lesson for Bravo slash Peacock in general of like how do you keep the like the flavor alive in Housewives when it has been on literally since like two thousand and like six, two thousand and seven. Like we're coming up to like twenty years of Housewives. Like how do you- <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> but, like, how do you keep something fresh for that long? With
0: And I agree with you. It, with, ultimate Girl's Trip is the future of the, <laughs> of the Housewives ecosystem.
1: And, like, the head of, like, Peacock or even, like, I think, like, NBC or whatever has, like, said that outright. Like, that's how we're going to keep it fresh. We're just going to, like – and I think even for them in terms of production, it's, like, ten days – you just put TV, no, sorry, not TVs cameras up everywhere. It's like the Big brother house. like you film them doing shit, and then everyone goes home and you get like ten episodes out of it. like
0: well, I think I-, I think that speaks to the origins of reality TV and what always made like the most, you know, I'm not talking shit when I say I'm a professor of reality television. Like I have been watching reality TV for 20 years or more, actually. Like I studied it at university, I actually did the very first reality television show, Sylvania Waters. It's an Australian show and it it was like the Kardashian-Osbournes um, treatment, Big Brother treatment. You focus on one family, the cameras are just fucking there and they are, you know, flies on the wall. Actually, I don't even think we've spoken about this, but like my first degree was pretty much in reality TV, like ethnography, like legit proper reality TV. Um, But, you know, Big Brother, you look at those shows that have been around for years, that is how they work because you need to put people in pressure cookers because the truth is that everyday life is actually just really boring. And so you need to like... If you want drama and conflict, you need a pressure cooker. And what we're seeing is that when people are just living decent, normal lives, they make shit up, they keep things from us. It's just not working. So I, I think I'm with this NBC executive, like Big Brother, the franchises.
1: I think, um, I think the other thing as well in this when like when we contextualize it with 20 years right the the advent of like social media as well and I think this is what has killed a lot of shows I think like cut actions is another one that was been really impacted by social media is that like unfortunately now we know what these characters are doing like in real time as well and like I don't want to like by the time it's ready to be aired like it's 12 months later like you know like you know Lamar like you know cheating on Chloe whatever it was like it's sort of like we got it in real time we got the like the page six article and then like yeah sure we get to see sort of like the behind the scenes of what happened but it's sort of like it's no longer exciting whereas you know and I feel like it's a little bit like that for the housewives too like you know we're watching at the moment you know, the Beverly Hills girls go out to Vegas, like, okay. So then like, we've kind of lost the the intrigue of like, what's going to happen this season. And then we all watch them unfollow and follow each other on like Instagram as well. Like it's just all this stuff where it's kind of, it's lost. It's, you know, it's suspense in a way.
0: I think when you talk about suspense, I think we've touched on this in the past, but like the role of social media. So the fact is, and I think Vanderpump is a great example of this is that, things happen in real time. And so we watch things happen. Like this is even with Kardashians, you know, a scandal happens. We watch it unfold on social media, but then we don't watch it on TV for another six months. And it's like, because these shows aren't happening in real time, I think that's the big issue. We need the shows to happen in real time. We need them to film the week and then show it. Like, that's the episode that we watch is the week that's just happened. You know what I mean? That's what needs to be.
1: I just, anyway. Just to wrap this conversation, I mean, like, we're not even talking about Potomac anymore, but on the Ultimate Girls trip, Sonia Morgan posted on social media this week, uh, or it could have even been an old post that like came up on my feed, but like, she wants to host an ultimate girls' trip <laughs> in the townhouse, <laughs> and honestly, it makes a lot of sense.
0: That'll be amazing. Like the whole, like do that. That is the pressure cooker situations we're talking about, right? Um, but no, but I, I think this, this is interesting. So, like, we'll wrap up Potomac and let's jump into Miami, because here is a se- Here is a franchise that was resurrected from the dead because the people wanted it. It was put not on Bravo but on peacock initially, right. It is like the Renegade child. It is like why does Miami kind of work and the others don't, Patrizio. What is it doing right? Does that is the hiatus something that every franchise should have?
1: I think it has the nostalgia. I think, like, we've got these characters who have come back from the dead and where they're familiar and it feels warm and all the rest of it. I think that as, like, messed up as what's happening at the moment in Florida, like, I think Florida is also in a renaissance period in a, like, sick way. Um,
0: Florida in a renaissance period. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: But I think the thing is, there's a lot more attention on Florida slash Miami than there has been in recent years. Like I think like post like COVID, like a lot of people like moved down to Florida, like escaped New York, escaping California to like go and live in Florida. I think like... In the same way is that what I feel like fifteen years ago, reality TV was very New Jersey heavy. Like it was the period of like Jersey Shaw, Jersey Licious, like mob wives. Like, yeah, I feel like it New Jersey had its moment back then, right? Okay. And I just feel like at the moment the attention is on Florida. I think like okay. overall intensity-
0: so I need to stop you there because people from Miami don't say they're from Florida. They say they're from Miami. So I want to ask you, is Miami having a resurgence or is the whole of toxic Florida having a resurgence? Like I think you need to be really specific.
1: I don't think I'm qualified enough to answer that question at this stage.
0: I Because I think I am and I think I'm going to say that Florida will never have a resurgence, but Miami will always be life. The three o five, baby, come on.
1: Look, yeah, whatever, it, whatever it is. But I just, I think, like, I mean, just in general, even like, I feel like Latin American culture, like uh, Latin, yeah, Latin American culture has just also gone through a bit of like a, you know, yeah. it's it's back or like I don't know or you know I feel like it's the despacito of it all, like. It's
0: worldwide. Okay. It is its is
1: Mr. Worldwide. Mr. worldwide. It is like Mr.
0: Worldwide. it is bad buddy. <laughs>
1: but that's the thing. It's it's like, it's all these things. And I feel like people are just, it's uh, gravitating towards that. But I, I think as well that like, you know, it is, I, I hate to say Gertie's point. It is a bit of a melting pot. Like melting pot's probably not the right word either, but you know, it is where there are so many different like intersections
0: Sorry, I'm laughing because when you quoted Gertie, all I could think of is the actual, like, quote, which is, like, she went from, like, we're having a meltdown, but Miami is a melting pot. (laughs) That is how she came up with the theme for her party, (laughs) from meltdowns to melting pot, okay? Like, that is Miami.
1: (laughs) It's things that melt. 100%
0: 100% because Miami hot. Hot
1: hot fire. Well, yeah, I just, I think there's a lot to be said there. And I, I think as well, like, you know, it's also the wealth, I think, too. I think there is something to be said about, you know, the fact that these shows were predicated on the fact that it is a peak behind the curtain. It is an unattainable sense of wealth. Um, you know, Nicole Martin's home like sold for like $44 million to Jeff Bezos's mom. Like, you don't get that from, you know, New Jersey. Like, you don't get that from Potomac. Like, it's only happening in Miami. Like, I, it's not even happening in Beverly Hills. Like, Erica J. Yeah. like broke, um, you know, Garcelle's wealthy but like she's still like you know like living in a quite a modest home by like Beverly Hills standards I would say you know like it's just it's something else out in Miami
0: I mean but you're seeing like Alexia living in this penthouse where the like she drives the car into the house but then she's also cooking rice like she's cooking a a meal there are just so many crazy things
1: She's you know. cooking meals for the TV. She doesn't
0: cook. I think she cooks. I think when she, I think she does cook every day. I think she is still very traditional.
1: They I, I, I had the chef on the show last season. Like they, she's not cooking.
0: I think she does cook more often than we realize. I mean, we have Larsa dating Michael Jordan's son, like. The things that are happening in Miami, we have the last scene of this, of this episode with Lisa and Lenny fighting on the phone over a Halloween party. It was awesome. <laughs> the whole thing was brilliant to me.
1: I will say, so I feel like this final episode was definitely one of conclusions. I definitely felt like there was a lot of, like, Tying up of like storylines um, Like to the point where it's Kind of like if I never saw any of these Women ever again like I'm good like I I it ended I and I Don't but like, there was no cliffhangers right But I will say that I really Truly only felt that there was only maybe Like two out of like the like Nine women that are on this show That I actually felt like Had meaty Like storylines This season and I think one Was Adriana I think that obviously like her music career is like about to explode question mark like
0: so my take on that is that I know I've been speaking a lot these last part- couple of weeks about like you know the h and on of it all and what adriana is up to but this episode really cemented for me that adriana is setting up her storyline and it's a legit storyline like we got it in this episode. You just said it. Her music career is starting to take off. That's what she. That's what she's going to be doing next season. It's brilliant. It's very clever.
1: But I think, like, even if it's even if it's not, like, it actually seems like legitimate that she's talking to like, was it like Amelia or Estefan? Like, yes. Like, it
0: was insane.
1: Right, like he has done, like every big, like Latin, like name in the business, and now he's, he's doing well, a yeah,
0: Like he is Miami sound machine. Like he is Miami.
1: So that alone, to me, like I'm just like she's good. Like she's sorted. Like it's actually happening for her potentially. Like I mean, like was it I real? Mean,
0: look, you pay. He will do anything for the for the money. Right. Like, like that's his, his job is to make music. Like you buy a song from him. Right. But I think there is some prestige in that, you know, I guess we're assuming he wouldn't just work with anyone. Um, but that, but to get him on an episode that I think one of the other things, like you spoke about wealth, but it's that pro- proximity to certain people is the other thing that can make or break a
1: housewives. Right. Marisol right like she has the stories like she had she has partied with like John John and Madonna like I, it's but, it,
0: but at what point does that become sad because she's not in that world anymore right so I mean but Julia, the,
1: like, <laughs> but
0: Julia is a great example of that like the reason we had interest is because she's married to Martina Navratilova like that's always been the thing. It's always been like these, a lot of these women on these shows have proximity. You know, Kyle, like, come on. She's the ultimate proximity to celebrity. You know, Yolanda when she was with David Foster, like, that is the other ingredient these women can give on these shows. But yeah, seeing Amelia Estefan was insane. <laughs>
1: Yes. And and then the other one for me really was you know, the the future of the show, which is Nicole. Um the resolution that we get with her dad as well, which I was like, I don't know about you, but I am Team Nicole's dad at this point.
0: I have always been Team Nicole's
1: dad. <laughs> well, look, I I was sucked into like, you know, how how he's been portrayed as a bit of, like, a crazy guy and, you know, it seemed like he treated his daughter like shit. But when, I like, we got that, like, raw, like, story about how, like, he truly thought that, like, every time he was, like, involved in his daughter's life, like, he was fucking it up for her and he had to remove himself because that was, like, that was love. I was like, oh, my God, this man, like, my hero.
0: Okay, so... 100% with you. But part of me is also just like, like I'm not saying that none of it is true, but I just think the timing of events is just so perfect. I'm just like if Nicole has like orchestrated like when to drop all the nuggets and all this stuff, I think she's an icon (laughs) because she played the game. If she produced herself... (laughs) use yourself the way you should produce yourself.
1: Well, maybe that's the other thing. That's why Miami is succeeding is because whoever is producing all these women is like doing what has to be done.
0: I think so. And I think that's the other thing we need to start. I said it before about Potomac, but there are people who make these things happen and they are the producers and we need to, you know, clap for them when they do it well and hold them accountable when they need to do better.
1: So, of all the women, Alexia's, like, end of season was very interesting to me because it wasn't really about Alexia. It was about her son, right?
0: It was about the two of them and their relationship.
1: Yeah, but the son got a scene with the father, right?
0: Oh, you're talking about Peter.
1: Yes, Peter and his dad, right? And I don't know if you're following this, but there is a lot of like very strong accusations. I think even like I think he has gone to jail for like sexual abuse. Um,
0: the father? Yes. Oh wow!
1: And pretend, like allegedly, with like minors.
0: Okay, I, I assume that's where you were heading with that.
1: So. It's very interesting to me that he hasn't gotten any airtime this season. And that he got this like solo scene with Peter as well. I just like, I what what is going on there? Because this man, like, even, even if like that story's not true or, you know, like not like whatever it is. He has been to jail, like, that's where he's been the last, like, 10 years or whatever. He's only, like, recently gotten out. Like, I just, I don't know, like, why are we, like, why are we giving him a paycheck is my question.
0: Because of Peter. I 100% think Peter, like, refuses to film with Alexia. Like, they have, like, I know we, we saw that they went on holiday together and stuff, but their relationship is so fractured. Like, he feels so abandoned by Alexia that... I, I think like he was like, I'll be on camera, but I'm filming with my dad. Like that's a hundred percent what I, I think it is. But I think that scene, the way that I read it was that it was the juxtapositioning of like, one of the first things, I don't know if you caught this out is one of the first things Alexia says, cause we're seeing two scenes, it's Alexia and Frankie and they're having this wholesome moment. And it's all about how, you know, she's trying to be more into like she wants Frankie to be more independent of her blah 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 but the first thing she says to Frankie is like are you seeing your dad and Frankie's like I don't know I don't like he has no idea and for me it's that's a really what they're trying to show is that you know Alexia has Frankie so much but that Peter really feels abandoned and now that his dad is available you know, we're we're seeing the other side, like he finally has somebody that he can be vulnerable to because the discussion that Peter has with his dad is basically his dad telling him to cut his mum some slack. You know what I mean? It all comes back to... Alexia in the end like the reason he got that airtime is because he's speaking amazing positive things about Alexia he's trying to reunite her and Peter because there is that fraction there's one son who she's let kind of do his own thing and be fully independent so independent that he doesn't want to be with her and then there's the other son who she has coddled because of his accident and at what expense at the expense of her relationship with Peter it's a juxtapositioning, so I think it made sense.
1: I just with the allegations, I just I just don't know. I how. haven't
0: heard these allegations before, so I mean, look,
1: I, I would, think I think that's I on purpose.
0: Past Bravo There's, because they probably wouldn't have done their due diligence.
1: Even Alexia, though when they were like, why was he in jail? She's like, I don't know. I think it was like drugs or something. Like she's even like very I think she obviously knows, but is choosing not to really because she doesn't want to throw the, the father of her sons under the bus. Like, sure. Like
0: she's old school. I mean, she's she, you know, she's obviously in some aspect benefited from the lifestyle that they had. Like she, you know, she, she was probably, he was always a bad boy, right? She chased the bad boy. Like, I think the interesting thing for me about Alexia is that thing that we, is also kind of interesting about Teresa, the loyalty of it all, like who their loyalty, who they're loyal to, you know, even Marisol and how they express that loyalty. You know, they have a lot of antiquated beliefs, you know, I think like Dolores is the same, but they are, claiming to be sort of new age women. It's 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 that's a paradox in the in casting that I love to see. It's one of the thing reasons why we watch these shows because a lot of these women straddle two worlds, two mindsets. Multiple generations, like all of these things, and being in the public eye, like they want to be beautiful, they have to do, they have to seem young, all of these things, and it's it's like watching a car crash, like you can't look away, you know what I mean?
1: Well, speaking of car crashes, what did you think <laughs> of Gertie's melting pot party?
0: Once again, I mean, Gertie like reaches into the sky, pulls something out, and just goes with it. I mean, if she's willing to put on these extravagant events at the expense of having no storyline, okay, good for her.
1: I feel like she's aiming for the Cynthia edit, which is kind of like the girl that, like, is willing to, like, hold the parties to get the group together um, to try and, like, mend the fences and all the rest of it. I just think that, like, because, like, what other role can she play in this, like, friendship group really?
0: the problem is that she doesn't have genuine relationships with enough of the women to be able to play the moderator. I've never heard of the Cynthia edit, but now that you've said it, I'm like, that is a brilliant term. I think where Gertie isn't quite Cynthia is that she'd have a friendship contract with Alexia. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the I'm not like Alexia's the nini of the group, right? So I think that's the the difference is Gertie has not built enough. Like watching Gertie even try to take control over trying to make Adriana friends, you know what I mean? Like whatever, broker the piece. There's a reason why Adriana didn't go to Gertie and she went to Lisa.
1: Like it to, so awful watching. Like I was just like Gurdy, sit down. Like
0: she just doesn't know. She thinks she knows, but she just hasn't. Again. She thinks she's
1: doing the damn thing, and she's not. She's
0: not. She is not. You know. Um, <laughs> not just, I was like, she's not Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. You know, she's not Angela Bassett.
1: What about, so then at the dinner, obviously, like, the main thing here is the fact that Adriana does apologise to Alexia and to Marisol, but then it obviously turns to shit anyway. Like, do you think Do you think anything Adriana's is doing is sincere at this point? If, like, you are working on this, like, you know, premise that she's just doing the things to get the full-time mojito?
0: I think even if she was sincere, I think Marisol and Alexia are at a point where they just don't care. Like, they don't want to be friends with her, so they don't care.
1: I agree. And I think the things that Adriana has said are unfortunately too egregious. Like, not that, like, we could get resolution this season. Like, it's unfortunately something that's going to have to be a long-term, like, maybe next season.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things that I had hoped would come out of this, and it kind of did, and I liked watching, even though she's like a bit of a nothing player, is watching Julia interact with them. Like I like that Julia finally said, I want you to know, like I did hold her accountable. I did say, tell her that what she did wasn't right. And I thought that that was interesting. I It would be interesting to see what it would be like if Marisol, And Alexia were friends with Julia or attempted to form a friendship with Julia. But I think unfortunately, Julia would, you know, she's so protective of Adriana. She would, she would never go be friends with them.
1: I mean, crazier things have happened in the Bravo housewives cinematic universe.
0: hundred percent. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Where does, I mean, I know we're still due for a reunion, But reunion aside, where does the cast of Miami go from here? Who is back for you next season and who is gone? And I'll ask you again after the reunion episodes as well.
1: For me, the following people are gone. The following. Gertie. Larsa.
0: You're getting rid of your girl.
1: I'm getting rid of Larsa. I think that Larsa did the first season because I think she got a very good paycheck for it. I think she did this season because I think she was like, oh, wow, like, people really love me. And now she's, like, she's getting out when she's at a high. Like, she's, like, in this new relationship. And I feel like she's not going to want to show her relationship on camera either. And that's what we're going to want to see next season, right? Like, she's done. She's tapped out. She's gotten what she needed. She's, like, loved up. Like, it's over, I think, her, her career on Housewives.
0: I think it's the opposite. I think now that she's finally getting some traction as not Scotty Pippen's wife, I think that she's going to be addicted to it. it She's itching for her own show, but she doesn't have enough to hold up her own show, unfortunately.
1: No. Um, I think the Julia demotion, I think, is in play, and I think it will be it will be explained as Julia needing to spend time with Martina. I agree with you. Um, I think she doesn't have like the, the the time or the, like the energy to be a full-time housewife. Um, and I, I think like I, I can't see a world where Adriana is not given a full-time role just because of the amount of like, the fact is the only reason, the only things we have been speaking about the last couple of weeks has been Adriana. I I truly believe that the Adriana drama has been more interesting to watch than Lisa's divorce because I feel like Lisa's divorce, like she's going to be in that camp of like housewives who have been in like divorce proceedings for like five to 10 years. Like it's like a Bethany Frankel situation, I think. Well,
0: I think – I disagree with you on Lisa because this, we ended the season seeing her like no resolution from Lenny, but now that she's got a new beau, I think we're going to see the upside. So we're still going to see the divorce stuff, but we're going to see it Miami style where Bethany was like constantly depressed. And to be fair, what happened to Bethany was fucked up. Um, I do think that Lisa's situation is going to be a bit different, particularly because it is Miami. Um, I think Gertie will stay on the show again, I think the diversity higher, and she's hot and her husband is hot, and she's willing to throw the parties. Um, so unfortunately, I see them all coming back, even Larsa. But I would like to see Adriana with a mojito.
1: We got the trailer for the Miami um, reunion like a second trailer. I am really bothered by the fact that they put five women on a three seater couch.
0: <laughs> but they're so skinny, Patricia. They don't eat. It's okay.
1: Okay, but Lasa and her like ass are on that couch. Like that's uh, that's like three people alone.
0: The way you consistently body shame big booty.
1: Women. No, I'm <laughs> not. But I I love a big booty. But like it's like cheek one, cheek two. Larsa. like that's three people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the name of the that's the name of the pot
1: episode. Chief one to la Am I wrong? Like, let's like I drama aside, I am watching Larsa because her body is insane. Like she is something else. Like I sent you the meme, it didn't make it onto the podcast Instagram this week, but like when Larsa sits down, it was like that, that moon crushing into the earth. Like stop <laughs> stop <laughs> L- literally last like can you put that in the thing <laughs> <dark. laughs> i am a larcenist. i will say that
0: a larsenist is that what you call yourself
1: that's what it's if if the ladams are karen's crew and the borings are robin's we are the Larsonists. Oh, not we, like me, not you, but the larcenists.
0: Cheek one, cheek two, Larsa. I love
1: it. Um, Moshi, let's take a super quick break and come back and talk New Jersey. We're here to discuss... The, the reason for the season, um, the only Housewives in my mind at this point who matter, it is the real Housewives of New Jersey. It's episode five of season 13. And all I have to say is, like, fuck Margaret Josephs.
0: Why? Why? Why do you say fuck Margaret Josephs?
1: I'm just, I'm done with the bullshit. Every time she comes on the screen, like, you know what it is? I'm glad that Jennifer Aiden has gone home between seasons and had a long, hard think about, like, her angle this season because she's like, right, I'm going to get into the mess. I'm going to be calling the ex-friends. I'm going to be calling the current friends. I'm going to call everyone I can to get the dirt on everyone else and to tell people how I truly feel about these people. And, like, I am no different to Margaret and I'm going to call her out for it. And I'm loving it. It's a consistent theme. And the more she says it, the more Margaret, like, she has nothing to stand on because the thing is...
0: I mean that you're just like Jen, not just like Margaret. uh,
1: Unfortunately, when it comes to New Jersey, you have to pick a side. Like, you can't, like, it's... This is the mob. Like, you are either the, the... the Capulets of the Montagues, like there's no like middle ground here. Like I just, you are, and, and you know what? The internet spoke like at the end of this episode and said when Jennifer Aiden and Teresa Judice walked out of that, like Jen Fessler's like lunch scene over, it was the cameras down, like Teresa and Jen aren't there. It's done.
0: Do you want to know something you and me, this is where you're like the internet has spoken. But what I want to tell you is that only your side of the internet has spoken because my side of the internet is completely different. And I think you're right when it comes to New Jersey, when it comes, I just don't like Jennifer Aiden in this instance. I am a Margaret, I'm on Margaret's side. And my internet is firmly, I don't know, because my internet is firmly on Margaret's side. Um, I, I agree with you that like, you know, Jen has, Jennifer Aiden has definitely come in with an agenda and her agenda is to take Margaret down. But my issue with that is I don't like, I know they did speak to it in this episode, but the thing that I never like is like the fake and phoniness where you like go out of your way to call a truce with someone, but then in the background, you're still being a sneaky link. You know what I mean? You're still like trying to take them down. It's like, just take them down for the beginning. Like don't do any of the phony stuff. Like when Teresa says stuff like, you know, I just did an apology to move things on. It's like, <laughs> don't you realize that actually makes you seem fake as well? Like it's, it's not a good look. Like you're just proving everybody, right. That you're a disingenuine person. Um, I think, you know, it's a good idea to come from Margaret only because she can give it as good as she gets. So, you know the war is going to be interesting, but I just think that like they hate Margaret for nothing. They hate Margaret because she doesn't agree with their hypocrisy and she calls them out. They hate Margaret because they like there's no real reason.
1: It's it's because Margaret is on Melissa's side, like.
0: Not even that. It's, it's, they don't like Margaret because Margaret has called them out for their bullshit in the past.
1: And, but this is the thing. I think that, like, I am, uh, like, yeah, call, call me ignorant here or whatever, but, like, I think that, like, Jennifer Aiden is finally sort of, like, putting the light on Margaret showing that Margaret is not innocent in any of this either. She's
0: never tried to be innocent. I
1: want to know. I don't think Jennifer has uh, ever tried to be innocent either. I I think Jennifer Aiden is actually more willing to sort of be like, you know what, I did call all these people like it comes out eventually, perhaps not the first instance. But I think Jennifer Aiden is much more likely out of all these women to be like to admit to the fact that she is just digging up dirt and she's like a sad like housewife in her home calling people around and like trying to like figure out what's what.
0: Okay, I agree with you on that. But here's the thing. Jennifer doesn't have to be that way. She chooses to be an enemy to people when there's an opportunity to be a friend. Imagine the power if Margaret and Jennifer were friends. Like the thing about these women is that they all hold a grudge. Well, actually, I will say that Jennifer, the the common denominator between Jennifer and Teresa is that they hold a grudge. Like, that is why they are friends because they, you know, just they will never forgive you. you. All you have to do is take the wrong slice of pizza and they hate you for life. And they're determined to, like, really ruin you. It just, I don't get it.
1: I, I don't see that for Jennifer. I think that she... Like, and we saw this, so when she goes to the birthday party at the end, like, she goes up to um, Rachel, Rachel Fuda, and is like, hey, honey, like, how's it going? And all, like and they, like, full on broad last episode. Like, I just feel like, yes, perhaps she is holding a grudge to a certain point, but I, not to this extent of Teresa. Like, Teresa is literally, like, but Teresa is too stupid to realise, like, you know, people have, okay. like... Moved on. Like, we're just, we're never going to make, we're never going to meet in the middle on this.
0: I mean, Jennifer Aiden is trying to build an army against margaret josephs and she's realized and i think it's because Teresa has said to her like it's too early in the season to be making enemies with the newbies because if you make enemies with them they're gonna run along straight to margaret so i think she is trying to do whatever it takes to get rachel Fuda on time so I, I actually think that that is just her being tactical i don't think she gives a shit about rachel Fuda. um the other side of it oh it just slipped my mind but here's the thing. We are actively seeing Jennifer, like, use this tactical stuff. Like, to go to Melissa, she's twisting things that she has heard to say that Margaret is somebody who actively is trying to destroy marriages. Now, you have to remember this all stems back to the book and it stems back to, you know, Jen trying to say that Margaret has no moral compass because Margaret did this infidelity. And so what did Margaret do? Margaret went back to her and said, you know, the infidelity, you know, you know, put out into the open Bill's infidelity. And I get, I understand why Jennifer is angry at Margaret. I would be angry at Margaret too, for exposing something, especially when I have children, I have a family, like I get it. And Because of that, Jennifer Aiden is out for blood. But Jennifer Aiden, again, refuses to see the bigger context here, refuses to see the way that Margaret is having those conversations. And Margaret said something in this episode that I was like, is why I am, you know, team Margaret here. Margaret said, had she been friends with Jen when Jen was going through her shit with Bill? she she was just doing the girlfriend thing. She would have done whatever it took to empower Jen to be better. And for for Margaret, that is like, you know, if there's room, if if Jen wanted to work through it, she would have supported her. But at the same time she would have said, you know, you need to drop that zero and get yourself a hero, to quote. That's an old Ricky Lake (laughs) term (laughs) we used to talk about with the, cheating husbands like she would have done the same thing and Mark what I don't like about Jen is she just takes things and twists them completely out of context and I just think her thought process is antiquated and dumb.
1: I just I'm done with Margaret Roses.
0: Well, what reason though? I, I just, nev- the whole reason you don't like Margaret is because you're a tree hugger. Like, Margaret, if, if Teresa wasn't there, you would love Margaret. Margaret is like great television. She's entertaining. She's smart. She's witty. Uh,
1: no, I, I just think, I, I think like she's just not, I just don't think she's engaging how she should be with some of these women. I like, I think that like, you know, like she holds a grudge just as much as everyone else.
0: In what way? You're saying a lot of things, but I need evidence. I need proof. You're allowed to just not like her because she's not because she's like Teresa's enemy. Like I will fully get it, but, oh, but I, like
1: it's in the same it's in the same vein as like well, like why why is Margaret still going after Jennifer Aiden? Like I feel like at this at at um oh there's too many freaking she, of the same names.
0: She's not going after Jennifer Aiden. She's retaliating.
1: No, I think that she escalated the situation at um at um where do they have the lunch? I just what at I mean? Jen
0: Fester's house.
1: Fester? Fesla? <laughs> yeah, I call it Fessler. This is what I mean. There are too many names and they're all the same. I
0: I think she escalated it because Patricio, okay, let me just let me put it this way. If somebody was coming, if some, if somebody was in your ear talking shit about me to you and trying to turn you against me but at the same time was not saying anything to my face and we're at a fucking brunch, a southern style brunch, and it comes up and we're on television, I will escalate shit too.
1: I just, I think that Jennifer Aiden has been extremely open about what she's done. I don't think it's a secret, but I think Margaret is taking it there. Like, it's, like, why is that feud still going? Like, I don't know. I just don't think it's on a Jennifer Aiden side.
0: Ask Jennifer Aiden why the feud. I am sorry, but right now I think we are watching two very different shows, I think this could be the end of us. (laughs) This could be the one that does it because I literally have no idea what your eyeballs are seeing and what your brain is processing.
1: Ah, look, I don't know. Like, I just think if anyone is in danger of not coming back next season, it's Margaret.
0: Once again, we're watching very different shows. I think Margaret Josephs is a
1: fine
0: I I don't even have anything else
1: to say well look I I mean I I'm think a point you know what a point was raised that she has no friends because she gets rid of them all and like truly I was like ding 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 like there were three names on the board and she's like gotten rid of all of them like
0: none of these women have friends <laughs> but you know. None of them. And to be honest, the only person who was really bringing other friends around is Margaret Josephs. The friend of this season is her friend.
1: Who I don't think like, again, like if you're going to play the Housewives game, you can't throw people out of your home. I think that's the other thing in all of this. She
0: didn't throw her out. It wasn't like a you've got to get out of here. It was like a. I think it's best if you leave because this situation is not going to de-escalate and I will say in this instance I think Teresa did the right thing by leaving with her. I was disappointed that more people didn't leave. I Like on that I agree with but I would have felt that way of anybody else getting kicked out. Not kicked out but, you know, needing to leave to de-escalate the situation.
1: What other, like, uninformed opinions do you have about this show, Moshi?
0: It's so interesting that you think my opinions are uninformed. I've been able to pretty much back up all of my opinions. You, on the other hand, you're just going on osmosis and your proximity to Italianness which I want to just let the team know as Italian as your name is you pick and choose when you want to be Italian
1: <laughs> listen
0: i'm i'm mentioning it all now i am done with you
1: <laughs> not for nothing okay <laughs> i just There's something wrong with this show and it is Margaret Joseph.
0: Okay. There's something wrong with your eyeballs and it's they're fucked.
1: <laughs> I think she's on borrowed time. I mean, they all are like, but I think Margaret is in particular, like.
0: For no particular reason. You just feel this way. And you know what, Patrizio, here's the thing. I'm okay with you just feeling this way, but I need you to acknowledge. Okay. What is, okay, hang
1: on. What is her storyline this season?
0: She doesn't have one. And she doesn't need to have one.
1: Oh, uh, 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 so in that case then, Giselle, she can have another five seasons because she hasn't had a storyline in ages. And we were just talking about how she's like ready for like firing. Like, why is Margaret Joseph see now you're see now you, you think I'm just making shit up at this point. Now Margaret Joseph without woman without storyline, now I can stay on the show.
0: No, I, I think half of them don't have storylines. Dolores doesn't have a real storyline. The only real the, the real story you you mentioned Montague's and Capulets before, right? The premise of this show at the moment is the divide between the Gorgas and whatever what's what's Teresa's last
1: name now? The
0: yeah, and I think I I'm not against people feuding. So I'm not against, you know jennifer and margaret like just being at war like i'm okay with it my issue is that you vehemently think that margaret is the one in the wrong here compared to jennifer fucking
1: aiden i think but jennifer admits that she's wrong
0: we need to move on
1: otherwise Um, i'm kicking you out at this party (laughs) <laughs> move on to what? Like, what, what else is there to move on? That, why? I want to
0: talk about your favourite person, Danielle.
1: The future of the show.
0: Okay. I'm starting to think that she's doing too much. Like, there's something about her that is like, and I think it's going to start to come out, like, you know, people were talking about the feud between her and her brother because we are only getting one side of it. Um. And I think, like, it's very obvious. Like, she has made no secret of the fact that, like, she craves fame. You have to, to be a housewife. But, but she's very open about it in a way where I'm like, like, even this whole thing, like, I get it. She always has done Valentina's parties over the top and, and she's over the top. She's extra, so to speak. But, There's something about it that is giving me a cause for concern. Like, I just feel like the trajectory that she's on, the only way is that she's going to fly, she's Icarus, she's going to fly too close to the sun. Like something, they're setting her up for some sort of failure. I can just feel it.
1: And I think it's the feud between her and Rachel because I think we're starting to be fed this, like...
0: Rachel, what food are they having?
1: Well, so, so Danielle, we're getting this whole story, like, you know, I don't talk to my brother because my brother had a fight with me over, like, Instagram. And then from Rachel, we're getting this, like, I have a really tiny family, like, my brother's the best, like, I'm so, like, in love, like, with him and his family and his my sister-in-law and all the rest of it I think there's going to be this sort of like I think one of like I think probably Rachel is going to like come for Danielle and the whole like you're a piece of shit because you like forced your brother out of your life kind of thing like I think there's going to be there's something's going to happen between the newbies like I just I feel it
0: okay you feel that because I kind of got the sense that I actually think the OGs are going to come. Well, not the OGs. So your girl Margaret Josephs. Here is a real reason why. You know, if you're going to not like her, here is a here's a reason you cannot like her, Patricia. I think she's the one that's going to come for Danielle. I think she because that's what she does, right? So I think she's the one that's going to do. I think she's going to do some snooping, and I think it's going to backfire on her. But I think. She's the one who's going to make contact with Danielle's sister and it's because Danielle is Team Teresa. Um, But I just think that even the way the show is being produced, like we're in Episode 5 and we're getting this like very bubblegummy, like all this stuff about Danielle, I just think that we're being built up to the rug being pulled out. Something is going to happen.
1: I think I agree about her doing too much too soon. I think like, it's that thing of like, you know, you took it to a certain level and now you're gonna have to like keep it there and then to continue to like go over the top from there too. And so like, if you're already starting at like 100, where do you go from there kind of thing? And I'm not just talking this season, I'm talking like next season, the season after you know, like you've got to like build up because um, I think that's the thing as well, like Teresa, like for example, if you want to like draw the comparison, like she had no money at the start. And then obviously like her parties have only gotten more extravagant over time, because she's also just gotten richer over time as well. Um, but I think like the lines are very clearly drawn to me and it is Margaret, Melissa and um, Rachel, and then it's Danielle, Teresa and Jennifer Aiden, and I think Dolores is like you know, as always, like on the fence in the middle mediator. Perhaps like slightly like I think probably at the start of the season she's going to be more team like you know, I don't know Melissa. And then I think she's going to move across into, like, the Team Teresa camp because I think there is obviously, like, a reconciliation coming with Jennifer Aiden, which hasn't happened yet. I think that is to come, though, because obviously they were both in Teresa's, like, bridal party. So, obviously, like, things must be, you know, good between them. Like, maybe not, like, amazing, but I think it's, like, quite amicable at this point. So, I just think the lines are drawn like that and, like, you know, it's just, like, yeah, what's going to be the spark that, like, really sets it all off?
0: It's so weird to me that you see things just so black and white on this show. I just, I don't see anything as clearly as you do and I'm just so curious about it because I feel like normally like even if we disagree we see things very much like from one side to the other but this is so fascinating to me I'm going to be watching New Jersey more closely to try and see if I can see the things that you're calling out I just don't think the division is that clear yet um But it um, is. It's um,
1: Teresa versus Melissa. It's Jennifer Aiden versus Margaret Joseph. And it's Danielle versus Rachel Fuda.
0: I don't see the Danielle versus Rachel Fuda. I'm not saying it's not going to come. I'm just saying I don't see it this clearly yet.
1: I think if they play their cards right, it could truly be a giselle Karen relationship, which is like perhaps where like, you know, Margaret Joseph and Jennifer Aiden could have reached a point of, if I'm hearing what you've said today, but yeah, I just, I, I think like it's inevitable. I think they just have two very different lives and they're like willing to exploit like the whole Danielle family feud thing and how Rachel's life is like somewhat better than hers. I don't think that's what they're going to say.
0: One of the things that you just called out before about the comparisons with Teresa and you were talking about how Teresa started off, not as affluent. And then, you know, I mean, look, money got Teresa in trouble, but I suspect like just hearing what you're saying, I think one of the things that we're going to learn about Danielle has to do with money. Like how is she funding all of the stuff that they're doing? But I just think watching her rehearse her daughter's entrance, like all the things, like she's, I think she's, the way that the show is being produced to build her up, I I don't necessarily think that like she's doing a lot on her own accord. I think she's being produced to do a lot because they're going to crash, like something has to happen to cause conflict. And I think it'll be around potentially money. I think there's going to be something around money to do with her and her brother. Like, I just think that, you know, when something is so sparkly and shiny on the outside and it always means that like there's something really dark happening on the inside, particularly on housewives. I think that's what we're going to see with Danielle, but I don't see a conflict between her and Rachel. Um, I don't necessarily see them being like bosom buddies, and I think you're right, they do have different lives, but I think Rachel has been brought, brought on the show to show us a different side to the, you know, traditional guidette lifestyle that we've been shown this whole time. And I just want to ask you something really randomly. You know her, her shore house? Yeah. I got, when I saw her showhouse, house, I got flashbacks to the house that Dolores and and Big Frank had. Like I saw that house and I was like, isn't that the house that when we first went back to the shore, like I think during the pandy, like that that was the house that Dolores and Frank stayed in?
1: I don't think so.
0: I felt like maybe they rented the house off Rachel and her husband.
1: I will say on houses, I am very inspired by the fact that, like, for example, Danielle's, like, Jersey home is not, like, a McMansion.
0: Oh, but it's a beautiful house. It has everything you need, right?
1: It is beautiful, but it's just, like, it's, like, I think, again, this is, like, that, like, newer generation, like, where, like, it's the Theresa Melissa generation that would have gone for that really gaudy, like, McMansion style, whereas, like, the younger generation, and because Rachel's home as well, like, Eve, her shore home, like, you know, clean, modern, like, bright you know spaces like it's just incomplete opposite to i think like what we're used to seeing like even to a point where like jennifer aiden i think like her home again like gaudy in a different kind of way to what like Teresa's original home was but still very like opulent mcmansion um very very different i just think that's really interesting and it, i like that energy i think like even um Jennifer, Jen Fesslet's home, like, again, like, you know, it seems like it's on a very big block of land, modern home, beautiful home, but just not in that, that style.
0: She hates her Hamptons house, not in the Hamptons. Well, I think, you know, one of the things about moving to New Jersey is the reason you live in New, I mean, a lot of these women obviously from New Jersey originally, but the reason people move out of the city and move to New Jersey is to have the big house is to have the land, is, you know, they're raising kids, they want them, you know, they love to have the parties, they like to entertain a lot, those sorts of things. But um, I think um, Danielle's house is really similar, I think, to like Jackie's house as well. Like Jackie's house was never anything, you know, outrageous, and I'm sure she could afford a bigger house. But, you know, it's, it's just modest for what she does. I think the other thing... That makes me a bit sad. Like when I see Jennifer Aiden's house, her house is so big, but this is, I don't know if you will resonate with this. I don't know if you grew up really similarly to me in this way, but like a lot of the time, like when you grew up in the ethnic house, like your parents don't want you be like, you know, you don't want, you say like, can I go and stay at someone's house? And they're like, no, you can just stay at our house. And I feel like very much like what Jennifer Aiden has done is build like a sanctuary so that her kids never have a reason to be at anybody else's house. Do you get what I mean? I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, they would rather have people at their house. They don't want their kids at other people's house because of, like, just the way you've been raised. People always think that they're more superior than other people, right?
1: I thought you were going to say, like... If I was raised the same way as you in a McMansion in New Jersey, that's mm-hmm. where it was going, and I was I like,
0: wish, "I wish." No, but do you know what I mean? Like, there's a yeah, I, oh, I, like I, I Jennifer wants people
1: coming to her house. She doesn't yeah. want to slap her kids anywhere. Like, yeah,
0: and I feel like culturally, like that's why Jen, and also like culturally, like it's, I, I think also the cultures that we're dealing with, like this is what your pet, pa- like you have the big house because this is what your parents worked for. You know, there's, there's so many other things that influence the house and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I just, I'm interested to see how the rest of this season plays out because I think we've both called out contradictory kind of predictions. And so now for me, New Jersey is like who is right, who is wrong between us.
1: I think I think just in my closing remarks here today, oh, Jesus Christ. I think the reason why Danielle is getting the edit that she is is because she is in essence jersey licious. And like I'm gonna keep using that term.
0: It, it, like it's gonna become a drinking game. Every time Patrizio says Jersey Licious, take a shot.
1: But I think where you are looking to revive and just to like that nostalgia element as well, I think that Danielle is just that girl who is... You know, like, like where is the animal print? Like, that's the only thing that's missing. And the hair is a lot smaller than it used to be too. Like, it's just sort of like she is new age Jersey-licious. And I think that's what we want from uh, like New Jersey. I think like we're willing to just sort of be like, we're okay with just like Italian women in New Jersey, like pushing tables and throwing pasta at each other. Like, I think we're okay with that.
0: So weird. You and I want very different things. Like I'm not not wanting that for the show, but I think that you are stuck.
1: In pro- we want proximity to like Italian New Jerseyness.
0: We want proximity to Snooky. But here's your thing, Rachel. Fuda gave you in this episode her Guidette lifestyle. Like she lived it. Every she she. I think. I think people can be communities can be more than one way and I don't actually think that Danielle and Rachel are all that different in terms of their lifestyles. It seems to me they're both very traditional, they're both determined to be homemakers. Danielle's fa- uh, Rachel's family is just a little bit younger, like she's only just had her babies and she's potentially looking to have another one. She does have the older stepson and I think that that is a really fascinating you know, side to the story. Um, But I think the difference for me is that Danielle is a stage mom and she is super extra and she's doing a lot to be relevant and on TV. And that is the reason why we're going to always see her because she comes to the party. But I believe that Maybe, like, not on her own volition, but I believe that in terms of, like, conflict for the show, that the show is setting Danielle up for some sort of, like, crash. Um, And that's not to say that I don't like Danielle. I think Danielle is fabulous, but I think that she's being produced to do so much and give so much and... At the same time, other people are being produced to crash her down. I'm just, I'm genuinely worried for her, Patrizio. Licious. Okay. And on that note, we, we come to the end of yet another episode of the podcast. Thank you if you've tuned in
1: this far. Thank you. If you're listening to this message, thank you for staying the whole way to the end. <laughs>
0: We'll be back next week doing it all again. In the meantime, Patricio is posting some interesting memes on Instagram, so follow us at From the Lower Level Pod. Subscribe, follow, download, like, reshare, all the things with this episode so that other people hear about us. Anything else you want to say, Lisa Barlow?
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, like, Put it on your mum's Spotify and like, don't let her change it. Like, <laughs>
0: <channel.
1: Why? laughs> you know what I
0: mean? I know Sure, I do sure
1: um, See you next week, Moshi. Bye, baby gorgeous. Bye.